0: You know, we say that uh, one of the things I love to say is, at River City Church, we encourage people to bite off more than they can chew, so that God has to show up, and that faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and I'll just say, Mac, every time you come up here, it stretches my faith. (laughs) It's not quite sure what we're going to get out of you every time, and you know, that's good. I need to trust God with, with you, and... um. You know, as a leader of the church, the things that are risky for me are fewer and fewer. And so I'm glad that he brings people like you to the church, and that's exciting. But Mac is our new hospitality director is what I call him. and he, Well, you'll just be hearing more about him. and. Um, I mean, what better hospitality, what better job for a hospitality director, someone who's connecting visitors, than somebody who opens their house to anybody to come and sleep on their couch? I'll tell him, Paul, man, we got to start screwing with him. I mean, we have so many ways you can mess with that whole idea. Poor Mac, you could, who knows who's going to show up the next time, Mac. But anyway, Flora ever kicks me out, I know I have a place to go at least. All right. Um, You know, as much as I enjoy speaking and leading the church at River State Church, this is uh, one of the speaking opportunities that I really don't enjoy for a lot of reasons. But the main one is, 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 is because I know that you don't want to listen to me. I know that I'm the last person that you really want to be spending time with right now. I know that if you're like me, that this is the last hurdle. Before the Christmas season arrives, or the Christmas day arrives, whatever, and you're thinking, Antley, what in the world? Whose idea was this service anyway? I mean, see what I'm talking about? Peyton chubbs leaving already. <laughs> Todd's pinching him. That's why I said. Todd's pinching her. <laughs> don't mess with me. I already know you don't like me. I already know you don't want to be here. You're ready for the service to be over. And and I know you're thinking, you know, Antley, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I've been doing the Christmas thing. I mean, I'm just praying right now. My prayer is, Lord, help the kids to sleep in tomorrow. That's my prayer. That's what I'm going to get out of the service, so don't distract me with anything else. Or you're thinking, like, Antley, I got cookies to go bake for Santa. I got reindeer stuff to go make. I got carrots to prep. I got to go throw stuff out in my yard. I got to go do this. I got to do that. I mean, how many people in here have something to assemble tonight? Raise your hand. Uh Uh-huh. And the rest of you are liars because you think I'm going to call you out. How many people in here have have to assemble a Jeep? (laughs) One there, one over there. I mean, a Jeep. What in the world? Why are you leaving that to the last minute? If you have something to assemble tonight, I'll just say this. Double the time that you've allotted for it. Because you're going to start assembling it. And before you know, you're going to have stickers where they're not supposed to be. And that's the first thing that your kid's going to notice. And you're going to be in all kinds of trouble. And you're going to wish, I wish I would have listened to Antley last night, but I was too distracted with everything that I have going on at Christmas. So I know that this service, you really are not excited to be here. And you're not excited to be listening to anybody talk. But here I am, and here you are. So we're going to make the best of it. You know, I started thinking, whose idea was it to put a service on Christmas Eve? I mean, as a non-religious institution that we try to be RCC, religion free, you know, with the idea that we're going to strip away all the religious baggage that history of the church or people have added to the gospel so people have an easier time receiving Jesus Christ and being in relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to strip away all the stuff that's been added. Well, who in the heck added a service on Christmas Eve? That's nowhere in the Bible. And so I did a little research. I was like, all right, we're going to find out who this little... Sucker is, who, who did this to us. And so I start doing some research. And I find out a lot of neat things, of which I'm not going to bore you with because I know that you want to leave. But basically, the Christmas Eve service start, was started, you know, started basically by Catholics and Anglicans and other up-de-ups, you know, high-ups in the, in, the, in the business field or in the, of the church with, with the idea that we're going to begin Christmas. The Christmas season will begin with Christmas Eve. And the twelve days of Christmas actually start on Christmas. That's the twelve days after Christmas. It's not the twelve days before, like when all the shopping is done. The Christmas season of the church starts on Christmas. And so, what people did in an effort to hurry things along was, we're going to bump it up. We're going to have midnight mass. Well, our culture got a hold of that sucker and like, we're not waiting till midnight. It's bad enough as it is having a service. Let's move that puppy up a few hours to 10 o'clock, and we'll end at midnight. And then it was, well, we have kids involved, so let's do an 8 o'clock service. Let's do a 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock. I went to a church one time, did a 5 o'clock midnight mass. (laughs) 5 o'clock midnight mass, go figure. All in an effort. To speed up Christmas so that you can get on with it. Get on with the day. And so that's where it all began. And so as I thought about that, I was like, you know, I'm canceling Christmas Eve next year. I'm going to cancel Christmas Eve service. It's a nightmare of a service. And then I thought, well, they'll fire me. I'll get fired if I cancel this service. So we can't do that. So I'm going to make the the, the, the talk short. But But the reality is, is it would have been nice if I would have done some research. And I would have discovered something like, you know... The reason that the Christmas Eve service started was to help people to remember the hope that comes in the birth of Jesus Christ the next morning. To remind people before they get to the presents. To remind people before they get to the the decorations and the Christmas tree and the busyness of Christmas morning. It would be nice if we would have looked into history and discovered that that was the reason we have a Christmas Eve service. Because it's so easy for us to get distracted By Christmas morning, and the gifts, and the consumerism, and the busyness, and the food, and the food, and the food. See? It'd be nice if we read that in the history of our church, wouldn't it? Of Jesus Christ. It'd be nice. It'd be good to have a service a day before Christmas, the evening before Christmas, that reminded us that God, who was the light of the world, stepped down into our darkness in the form of a baby 2,000 years ago to open our eyes and to help us see how beautiful he is and to, to, to remind us that Christmas is about as we discover Jesus' beauty, turning our hearts to adore him, turning our lives to adore him and hope of a life spent with him. That's what we just sang. It'd be great if we were able to look into church history and read those words of hope and of encouragement, directing our eyes back to the Savior. The reason that River City Church has this service is because we know how easy it is at Christmas time to get distracted. We also know that Christmas is one of the most difficult times of the year. To yield our lives to Jesus, to acknowledge him, to adore him. Even though the season is about him, it is one of the most difficult times of the year. For people who seem to have everything, people who seem to have everything that the world has to offer, it's difficult because in the midst of your shopping, and all of your efforts to make yourself, to make others and to make your family feel happy, feel joyful and secure, you forget that all of those things ultimately can only come from Jesus. Without Jesus, not only is Christmas empty, but life is empty. When we place our hope for joy, when we place our hope for peace and security in the seasonal frenzy of Christmas, we will always end up being disappointed. And so for those of us, Who celebrate Christmas with everything that we can, we have this service to remind us that Jesus is the one who we adore and offers us peace and hope and security. He's the only one. On the way here, I got a phone call. Auntly, I'm sorry we're not going to be at the service tonight. I talked to my dad on the phone and he was just crying. He's having the worst night. He's really lonely. And so we're packing our bags up, and we're going to drive over to meet him, and we're going to stay with him tonight for Christmas. Sorry I'm not going to be here, but that's why. It bothered me a little bit that they felt like they needed to call me and tell me they weren't going to come. But I just thought, you know, that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? That's the other part of the group that's here tonight, people who are desperate, who are lonely, who are hurting, who won't receive much, who won't give anything. Tonight, the message is same for you, that when we receive Jesus, when we yield to Jesus, and Christmas becomes about adoring Jesus, that you too, having nothing, have the opportunity to receive everything. Distracted and hurt and left by the world on your own, have great hope in a reality that Jesus Christ, born over 2,000 years ago, felt the same way. Rejected and despised through his life. The gospel say that he was unrecognizable, not a man that people would consider good looking. He was despised. All of the things that you feel and that you go through tonight as somebody who is lonely and hurt, Jesus went through. So tonight you would be reminded that he is the greatest gift, that his father is the greatest giver. And the opportunity that you have tonight is to receive your hope, your security, your joy in Him. There was a football game in Redvine, Texas that was unlike any football game that had ever been played. When the opposing team arrived in their bus, the home team crowd formed a spirit line that, as they got off the bus, And to their amazement, they ran through, accompanied by the cheering crowds of the home team. And at the end of their spirit line was a big poster that the home team had made for them that said tornadoes, which was odd considering the home team that made it were the Lions. Yet the football team, not knowing how to respond, ran through in celebration with everyone else for this football game that was getting ready to begin. When the game started, over 200 home team fans went to the bleachers of this visiting team, the Tornadoes. Over half of their stands went to the other people's bleachers and began to cheer for the opposing team of their children. And not only cheering for them, but cheering for them by name. This is a quote from the quarterback and middle linebacker of the tornadoes. I never in my life thought I'd hear people cheering for us to hit their kids. Recalls Gainesville's quarterback and middle linebacker Isaiah. I wouldn't expect another parent to tell somebody to hit their kids, but that's what they wanted us to do. End quote. And even though the Faith Lions walloped the tornadoes 33 to 14, the players of the Gainesville Tornadoes were so happy that they sprayed their coach with their Gatorade water bottles as if they had just won the state championship game they were so excited probably the first time that a coach with an 0 and 9 record had ever been celebrated and praised so highly but then you saw the 12 uniformed officers coming in from the side escorting the 14 Gainesville players off the field they line the players up in groups of five, handcuffs ready in their back pockets, and march them to the team bus. That's because Gainesville Tornadoes is a maximum security correctional facility 75 miles just north of Dallas. Every game they play is on the road with no fans and with very little hope. You see, this idea came from the coach of the faith team named Crips Hogan. He wanted to do something kind for the Gainesville team. He said, you know, faith, we have 70 kids. We have 11 coaches. We have the latest equipment. We have all the technology we need to win. Gainesville has lots of kids with criminal records, with uh, backgrounds of convictions, with drugs, assault, and robbery, many of whose families have disowned them. And they're wearing seven-year-old jerseys. They're wearing helmets that are ancient. So Hogan, the coach of the Faith Lions, thought, what if half of our fans for one night cheered for the other team? He sent out an email asking the faithful to do that. Here's the message I want you to send to that other team. Hogan wrote, you are just as valuable as any other person on planet Earth. Some people were naturally confused. One player on the faith team came into the coach's office and said, Coach, why why are you doing this? Why are we doing this? And Hogan said, imagine if you didn't have a normal home life, if you didn't have a home life at all. Imagine if everybody pretty much has given up on you. Now imagine what it would mean for hundreds of people to suddenly believe in you. After the game... Both teams gathered in the middle of the field to pray. And that's when Isaiah, the quarterback, and the middle linebacker for the Gainesville team, stepped forward and asked if he could lead the prayer. The coaches said, we had no idea what this guy was going to say. But this is what he said. Lord, I don't know how this happened, so I don't know how to say thank you, but I never would have known there were so many people in the world ...that cared about us. And as the Tornadoes walked back to their bus under guard... ...they each were handed a bag for the ride home... ...with a burger, fries, a drink, some candy, a Bible... ...and a handwritten letter from the teammates... ...that they had just played against. And as the bus pulled away, all the Gainesville players... ...crowded and crammed to one side of the bus... ...to look into the eyes and to see the hands pressed up against the bus of these people that they'd never met before and would never know again, who extended love and hope for the first time in their life. You see, folks, Christmas, this service, as a reminder to all of us that Jesus has left his home. Jesus left his team and came to this world to cheer for you. He came so that you would know how valuable you are, how special you are to him. He came to bring you hope. So tonight we celebrate and cheer for Jesus what he has done for us and we're reminded that with him on our side that there's always hope. With him on our side regardless of how much we have or if we have nothing. There's always hope for joy. There's always hope for peace. There's always security in Jesus Christ. So, while I have you here tonight, I thought it might be nice to have a Christmas service that ends with something a little different and more meaningful than lighting candles and singing a song to 8-pound, 10-ounce baby Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with singing Silent Night... And lighting candles and celebrating Jesus being the light of the world. We did all of that last Friday on Christingle's service. But we thought if we really want to have a service that's different and that reminds us of Jesus, then it needs to be a service that Jesus is worshipped. And so we're going to end now with a few worship songs to give you a chance to express your thankfulness and offer him your worship. And hopefully you will leave not feeling like this was a waste of time, Something in the way of you getting ready for Christmas. But instead, will leave feeling hopeful and reminded this Christmas how valuable you are to Jesus. Let's stand.